Hello, Mountain. Happy Easter. There's a tradition in the church for centuries where Christians say, He is risen, and then the response is, He's risen indeed. Let's try it. He is Jesus. He's risen. He's risen indeed. I'm glad you're here. I saw some guests on the way in. People are kind of new to Mountain. We're really glad you're here. It's springtime. Um, it's springtime, and uh, things are coming, coming back. Things are coming to life. Those old dead branches that look gnarly and like they would never live again are having those uh, blossoms on them. And old bulbs that got buried in the ground a long time ago are sprouting up. Things are coming back to life. And I'm glad you're here uh, this weekend because maybe there's a sense in which that's what needs to happen in your life. Where when we gather on Easter to talk about Jesus who like a bulb was buried in the ground but three days later by the power of God rose again. Maybe something like that through His same power needs to happen in you. What if you could look at your life in a whole new light and saw yourself and your ability to love in a whole new light? That could happen. Before we get to that, um, how many of you are enjoying watching some of the NCAA tournament? Any basketball fans in here? Yeah, I see some Dorito stains on some guys here uh, on their fingers still. He's sitting around staring and yelling at the TV. How many were mad last Thursday night when the uh, Terps went down? Do you know this, right? How sad was that? Um, NCAA basketball tournament called March Madness. It's unpredictable because, you know, you've got these teams that, um, no matter what the brackets say, you know, they, they have a lot of potential, but then they bomb out. And then you got some other guy that just shoots the lights out, even though no one saw where he's coming from. It's kind, of, it's kind of what makes it madness. And I thought, well, that'd be fun, as we're uh, here together on Easter, to, um, to maybe have our own little shootout. As you can see, I have, I have a basketball hoop up here. Who thinks? Raise your hand if you think you could come up and make a basket up here really easily. You could raise your hand if you want to come up here and try it. This little guy here, you're, uh, nope, you're, I'm not going to go that way, but you think you could? Yeah? Oh, yeah, Regina, yeah. Right here on the front row. Regina, she's got game. I've seen her play. Come on up here, Regina. Give it up for Regina. Here she comes. All right, Regina. This is, this is Regina. And uh, Regina, Regina plays a lot of basketball. I happen to know this. But mostly she beats up on kids who are like eight. I've seen her play at the epicenter. I think that's the only reason she volunteers there. Is that right? Are you any good, by the way? I, I hold my own. Yeah, so uh, can you talk a little more smack than that? Um, even in your dreams, I win. Oh, wow, wow. Okay. That's, I guess that's it. So let's have a little shootout right here. Okay, so the first, uh, af after somebody misses, uh, we're done. So this shouldn't take long. Okay? So here's, <laughs> here's how it works. Um, we'll, we'll, uh, you want to go first or second? Uh, I'll go second. You'll go second. That means I'll go first. Yeah. Go stand over there and guard the piano. Here's how, Regina, Regina, just to make it interesting, we'll put a little, we'll put this on there. It says, I'm not gambling. I'm just saying the winner gets to keep it. Okay, I'll just, I'll just go ahead and put it in my pocket. She asked if she wanted to give it to her now. No, go stand over there. All right, little noise, little noise, little uh, uh, March Madness noise. Here we go. Here we go. What do you think? Joe Holhouse, do you think I can make this shot? Here we go, ladies and gentlemen, right here. It's in. There it is. Isn't. All right, Regina, your shot. I'm not worried. I'm not worried. Go ahead. A lot of noise, a lot of noise. Come on. A lot of noise. Regina, woo-hoo, woo-hoo, woo-hoo. Ooh, a lot of people watching. Nope, no shot. Okay. All right, here's where the game gets put away. Right here. A lot of noise, a lot of noise. Right here, right here. Here we go. Okay, here we go. Okay, Regina. 
So what I'm talking about right there. Oh, you need help with that? Okay, wait. $20 bill, $20 bill. Woohoo, a lot of noise, a lot of noise, a lot of noise, a lot of noise, a lot of noise. Woohoo. And it's thanks for playing, Regina. Thanks for playing, Regina. Nice try. Hey, I got a prize for you. You shouldn't try to compete with the best, but here's some peeps. Give it up for Regina. She tried. She tried. Thank you, Regina. All right, so here's where I'm going with that. So here's the thing. Regina, big smack talker, a lot of talk, not much game, okay? I mean, let's just, let's just get down to it right here, right? That girl could kill me in one-on-one, I promise you that. Well, here, here's the thing. At the end of the day, um, it doesn't really matter what a person says about how good they are, right? It, it doesn't matter in a game whether someone really intends to shoot a basket. Does that count as a point if I really mean to make a basket? Hello, does that count? No, that doesn't go on the scoreboard at all. Does it matter if I can tell you properly how to hold the ball and set my feet and uh, move my elbow when I shoot? Does that count as a point? Really, it doesn't at all. What is the only thing that matters is putting the ball in the hoop. It's what you do. And it's kind of how love is. Love does. Love does. Love's an action. Love's something you do. It's a choice you make. It's active. At the end of the day, love isn't measured by my good intentions. We all know what it's like to sort of intend to do something that was loving, but then to fail to do it, it, didn't, it wasn't love, right? We all know that love is not really my words. I mean, I can walk down the aisle with my wife and give vows and pledge my fidelity and faithfulness, but it's what I do that really determines whether I have loved her faithfully, right? And, it, and it's, not, it's not my words, it's not me being able to put love into poetry or art or describing it to you at the end. Love does, right? Love does. And this is important for us because a lot of people, especially sometimes people who come around church on Easter, start thinking weird things about love. They start thinking like, you know, it's about, if you want to get your faith right, it's about getting a bunch of behaviors all straightened out. And if you do all your behaviors right, then God's going to be happy with you. Or, or, you know, if you believe certain things. But you know what, really, love of the Bible kind that we're talking about, the love that emanates from God, who God is, God is love. It's not a bunch of rules. It's not a bunch of stuff in your head. It's not a bunch of feelings you feel in your heart. Love always takes action. Love does. It changes things. It's active. It risks. It reaches. It does stuff. It makes stuff happen. Sometimes it's stunning and stupendous and sometimes it's very simple and small and other times it's deeply sacrificial. But always, always it mirrors the light and the love and the life that emanated from this one Jesus Christ who came to live and move among us to embody and incarnate love. And just imagine what God could do with a whole bunch of people like us if we really understood that love is active. Imagine if you started becoming a love machine. Where everywhere you went, you oozed out love like Jesus did. Spilling it in every conversation, pre-planned and not. Just love. And that's not something that's determined by your disposition or your personality or your heritage. It's a decision. Yeah. 
for every one of us. Imagine what God could do with a bunch of people who understood that love is action because that's what God demonstrated at Easter, right? Easter was all about the love in action, right? So God created things and it was beautiful at first, but then it all went sour. It got broken and bruised and we feel that in our lives from the, from the bombs in Brussels to the bullets in Bel Air. We feel the brokenness, don't we? In our own lives, in our families, death, disease, degeneration, dementia, death itself. And so God, the one thing God precisely did not do when he looked upon the mess that we made of our lives and this planet, the one thing he did not do is look down from his lofty perch and go, ooh, ouch, bummer, huh, what's on? He didn't do that. As we said in our opening worship, John 3.16, sometimes a well-known verse, God so loved, there's the word, that he did stuff. He gave his son. He was active. He did something. He took action. And he sent his son on a mission of love into the world to help put the world to rights and to bring this old busted up world back to the way God means it to be. And Jesus didn't just come while he was here. He put on a clinic for how to love people every day. The leper that others ignored, he loved. The woman that everyone was raising their stones to, to, to con- condemn her for being caught in adultery. Jesus is the one who said, hey, how about the one with no sin throw the first stone? And they dropped their rocks and walked away. And he said, go and sin no more. Why did he do that? Because that's what love does sometimes. He held a ch- child on his knee. Why? Not because he was posing for the paparazzi or for some political gain to make him look good, but because he wanted that child, I think, to know that she or he had a father who loved him. And that's a snapshot of Jesus. And there's no greater love than what you see Jesus trudge up a hill with a cross on his back and give his life in death. He loved us to death. And then the power that sent him is the same power that raised him from the dead. And here's the point of Easter that some people, oddly enough, seem to forget. Jesus isn't dead anymore. He's alive. And he's back at it. He's in the world, on the loose. And the same love machine that went everywhere, oozing love, has the same mission today. And now he's looking for recruits. Now he's interested in those he can breathe his love and life and light into as carriers in the same mission that God sent him to do, which was to love this planet back to himself. And the only question is, what are you going to do? What are you going to do with your one life? Now, one thing we probably ought to talk about as we center on scriptures like first first john 3 i think 18 says dear children let us not love with words or tongue but with actions and in truth before we go running off and loving on everybody let's get one thing straight first of all let's say it this way if you want to be the kind of person where god's love really does flow through you then you you first have to be the person who lets God's love come to you. Let me say it again. If you want God's love to flow through you, you've got to let God's love come to you. Does that make sense to you? If you want to be the kind of person who actually engages others with love, unless you just want it to be a shallow sort of your own niceness that you muster up out of some human strength, Well, you can do that on your own, but it has no reservoir of strength and stability and it doesn't change anything when you love out of that way. But if you let God love you first, 
It changes who you are and now you have something to draw from that heals you and frees you and out of that supernatural love that raised Jesus from the dead that now is in you, now you've got some crazy love to give. Because you're not just striving for your own security or to have people notice you or like you. Now, as a child of God, filled with His love and light and life, you can love. So if you want to have something happen through you with God's love, you've got to have something happen to you first. This is also important because a lot of people get mixed up here and they think, well, I know the reason I got to go do good stuff and love people is because that way maybe God will notice me and like me and he'll give me like some frequent flyer points and one day I'll fly to heaven if I do enough good love stuff. It's like wrong, all backwards. He's already gone first and loved us. He's already gone first and loved us. 1 John 3.16 says it this way. This is how we know what love is. Well, tell me how, where do I look? And he points to Jesus Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. That's the love coming to you. It's action. And then it says, because of this, we ought to therefore lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Do you see the two halves there? God's love has to come to you. Christ laid down his life for you. And then it can happen through you. You lay down your life for someone else. Do you see how that works together? And I just have to say, I think we have to pause there and just, man, let the truth of what God has done for us grip us and touch us at some deep place. I mean, have you pondered recently that someone laid down their life for you? That they would love you so much that they would willingly, purposefully offer themselves to the death for the only reason being that they love you so much. See, when you, I don't know, when I think about that, it, it makes me grateful and humble and it makes me want to, well, love and live differently. And then we're getting closer to letting the love of God happen through us after we let it happen to us. 1 John 4 says, God showed how much He loved us by sending His one and only Son into the world so that we might have eternal life through Him. This is real love. Not that we loved God and then sort of earned His favor. No, no, no. But that He loved us. He sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Let yourself be loved by that and then you can do some serious loving. I had a hard time getting my wife to love me. I'll tell you what. It's a hard time. She's hard to get. And uh, I used to chase her around quite a bit. And she, I remember the one time we met was at this camp. She's going to argue about this story, but this is exactly how it went down. Um, you know, she, she's this beautiful brunette girl with tan legs running around and all the guys were chasing after her and everything. She never paid me any attention at all. The whole weekend, this camp thing we were at, and I was like, how can I get her attention? How can I get her? She's always talking to Brent, always talking to Jeff, always talking to all these guys. So it's like the last time we're getting ready to go, we're getting ready to get in the car and I've hardly had a chance to talk to her. So I kind of did this awkward sort of backward walk and like, oh, there you are. Hi. And, and then um, did the awkward side hug thing. Hi. You know, I don't know why, just we did. And then what I said in those days was I said, um, I said, I think you're pretty hot. Now, back then, hot meant cool, okay? It's not that I didn't think she was hot. I do think she was hot, but, that, but I wouldn't have said that. But then hot meant cool. You, you, never mind. So I just said, I think you're pretty hot. And then I screwed up my nerve and got my tongue to work. And I said, and then I said, could I, could I call you sometime? Like that. You know what I'm doing here, guys? 
you're putting your life out there in your palm of your hand and it can just be smushed. Could I call you sometime? Long, awkward silence. She kind of cocks her head and she says, Call you? I suppose. I suppose. That's what I got. Like, if the house was on fire and you needed to alert me, you could call, I guess. Sure. Why not? Boy, she was hard to get. So then, you know what? It was before email and text, so we drove away, and I'm like stunned. But then I wrote her letters, and she started writing back, and then I invited her to Minneapolis. She came. We started hanging out, and it got better and better and better. And then three years later, we went out to eat on April 1st. And the maitre d' brought a little tray and lifted it, and there was a ring and a note. I like you. I love you. Will you marry me? Check one, and then two boxes, yes and no, with a pencil slitted across the table to her. She checked yes. Yes. And she married me. Now, she was hard to get. And sometimes I think maybe that's, maybe that's how God feels toward me. Like I'm hard to get sometimes. Hard to really, hard to have someone love you back when they're slow to the draw, you know? God loves us and he's given us his son, Jesus Christ. And we're like, yeah, I suppose. If you don't get anything else out of this Easter, maybe you ought to just let yourself be loved with an everlasting love from Jesus Christ. To get past your defenses and how convinced we are of our own unworthiness or our self-sufficiency without God and get past all of those barriers to the place where we would just let yourself be loved because I can promise you this, God himself through Jesus Christ is here in this place right now. He's sliding a piece of paper across the table to you saying, I love you. Do you love me? Will you have me? Yes or no? And every one of us has got to check a box and slide that back. And that would be a great Easter if someone would say, I'm going to let myself be loved because nothing can happen through us. There's no use talking about love through us until we let some love happen to us. Now, the interesting thing to me is as we look at some of the uh, scriptures where the disciples were friends with Jesus, I keep, it's, hard, it's, it's easy for us to kind of think they were just not too swift, you know, because they miss things. Well, we know the punchline to Easter. We know Jesus rises from the dead and we're all happy and we throw balloons. But they didn't know that. All they knew was their friend who had held this life, this beautiful, this beautiful light of God, and this love was gone. And when the grave sealed up, it sealed up their hope with it. He had said, I'm going to rise again, but they didn't really understand. All that. So the Bible says in John chapter 20 that Mary came to the tomb to pay her respects to poor old good and, good and dead and gone Jesus. And she gets there, and the tomb is open, and the body is missing. And she's very distraught and upset. I mean, what have they done? They've taken him away. They're going to put him on a stick and humiliate him further. She's weeping. She's crying, Jesus, Jesus was here. And Jesus is now risen. He comes to the garden, comes up behind her. He's listening to her. He says, what are you crying about? And she's like, Jesus was, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And it's Jesus, and they have this amazing moment. And Jesus is like, yes, we don't have a lot of time. We've got to get this mission going forward again. Go tell the guys. She says, I will. She goes and tells the guys, and what's flabbergasting to me is that these guys she tells, this is the next thing we hear about them. In chapter 20, verse 19, that same Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. 
This makes me want to pull my hair out. Here's Jesus, comes from heaven, lives and moves among them, does miracle after miracle, says we're going to transform this world with love. Are you with me? They're like, yes, first I have to die and rise again. He does it, they know, and now they're hiding behind locked doors because of some lawyers. And it reminds me of me sometime, and maybe you, where you're just afraid to love out loud, where you're afraid, you're timid, you're shy, you're scared. I don't have time, or I might get, it might get too messy, or I might get involved, or I don't know what to do. And we lock ourselves up, and we get afraid, and we get timid, and we sell ourselves short. Like, we act like Jesus is still dead, instead of alive and on the loose, and empowering us, and emboldening us. I know, st- I know some fathers, probably in this room, who need to step up and own up and man up to your responsibilities in your home because your kids need you, but you're so scared you're going to mess up and so you're just cruising through and they need you. They need you. Engage. Be there. Love does before it's too late. I know marriages that are in the crapper for 10 years because they just can't get past their pride and get to the place where they can form some kind of intimacy. Love does Don't stay in a locked up hidden room somewhere afraid because, you know, who knows, it might not work. There are those of you who are going to say, when you see this opportunity to join a small group, I don't want to do that, I'm afraid I don't have time, or someone might ask me a question I don't know the answer to. Let's not hold up, let's not shrink back. God's got a whole lot of love and He wants to do through the world. He wants to do it through you and through me, but it's not going to happen as long as we sort of stay locked up and afraid behind locked doors. It's time for the church to leave the building. It's time for us to leave our fears. Jesus is alive, y'all. I think he wants to say to us what he said to those guys. John chapter 20, verse 20. Suddenly Jesus was standing there among them. So he, he moves into the room. He's there. And he, like, he says, peace. That's the word shalom. Shalom be to you. And as he spoke, he showed them his wounds, his hands and his side. In other words, proof, evidence that it was really him. And they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. I think they were filled with joy not only because they were glad to see Jesus, but because they knew seeing this, He was dead, He really is alive again, that everything God promises is in fact true. And friends, that needs to happen in our hearts too, where you trust God, where you know what He says is true. It meant for them that, you know what? Darkness does not get the last word. The darkness will not overcome it. And hate is not stronger than love. Love wins. And that death was only a temporary doorway on the way to eternal life. And that's all what they saw and why they were filled with joy. Jesus gives them peace. Jesus gives them joy. And now they have hope. And in light of all of that, He's ready to commission them just like He's going to commission you and me right now. Verse 21. And Jesus said to them again, Peace. Here it is. As the Father has sent me, on a mission of love. So now I am sending you to love. The same love that caused God to send Jesus to the planet in the first place is now transferred to us, in us. And Jesus does it in a most interesting way to make sure we get the point that it's not just sort of conferring or a badge, it's us, it's in us. Look at the next verse, verse 22. Then... Jesus breathed on them. Breathed on them. Breath is a symbol of life. He breathed on them, the Spirit. A reminder that 
<laughs> love does. Surely they remembered Genesis chapter 2-7, right? Where, where God created us out of the ground and then what did He do? He breathed into us and we became living souls, living beings. And Jesus was doing the same thing that day. He's doing the same thing to you and me right now. Please hear the words of Jesus as He breathes in and on you His Holy Spirit. If you receive Christ as Lord and light and love into your life, He's telling you that you have everything in you already to love like He loves. You already have it in you. So He's not asking us to have good intentions. He's not asking us to stay behind locked doors. He's saying, put the ball in the hoop, yo. And He breathed His blessing of love and He sends us out. So at the time that remains... Let's talk kind of really practically about how that love might work in your life if you were serious about saying, I want to be a person who's, to put it interestingly, a better lover. I want to be a person who thinks about loving like this more often and more seriously. What does love look like? When love does, let me tell you, first of all, sometimes, sometimes when love does, it's stunning. It is, it is a something big, something miraculous, something large that turns heads and shocks you perhaps even. It's big and because it's so strong. The most dramatic example of a stunning act of love was when Jesus dragged himself up the hill with that cross. John 10 reminds us that he wasn't a victim of terrorism. He laid down his life. He took it up later when he was good and ready, but he laid himself on there like this so nails could go through and he'd hang and die there in the Palestinian sun. Who does that? Why would you do it? Because sometimes love is stunning like that and we're still talking about it and looking at it today. And there are times in your life when Jesus says you're going to have to take up your own cross and you're going to have to do something stunning. And people may notice and think it's shocking and it will be big and significant. I have, I have friends who divorced. And they, they, after the divorce, they got so rotten and so mean, they turned into monsters and they started to recognize it. And slowly, Jesus began to work in each of their lives in different ways. And they started to turn their heart back towards sanity and wholeness and peace and calm. And they started talking to each other and trying to amend and make things up a little bit. And before long, you know what? They were dating again and that couple got married. And everybody looked and said, what? And they just said, that's what love does. It was stunning to me. In Ezekiel 37, the Old Testament prophet says, I see a valley of dry bones. He saw a desert wasteland with just a pile of crumpled up old bones and skeletons that were lying there for ages, a symbol of how lost and pathetic their hope and future was. And we all know what it is to see a valley of dry bones in our life. There's a part of our life, usually, always, there's one part at least that's just so deep with disappointment that it feels like a valley of dry dead bones that'll never live again. Some area of discouragement or some alienation from a friend or some addiction or some problem that just seems so discouraging. And the prophet asked the question, in verse 30, thir, uh, thir, uh, chapter 7, thir, uh, verse 9, can these bones ever live again? This is what the sovereign Lord says, come, O breath, 
from the four winds. Breathe into these dead bodies so they may live again. There's the breath of God. It's about to be stunning. Verse 10 says it happened. Breath came into their bodies and they all came to life and stood up on their feet. All these bones are dancing. Sometimes that's what love does. And when they threw Jesus' old body into that grave cave, it was like a bag of bones. But three days later, he danced out of there. And it still happens today. And maybe you have a situation in your life that seems like these bones will never dance and you've lost hope. The trust is too far gone. Your confidence in the ability for it to change is over. But God sometimes does something stunning if you submit yourself to a stunning act of love yourself. And love does. And everything you need for that to happen through God's power is in you already. Stunning, isn't it? We've been tracking with the story of Luke and Holly Erickson, one of our pastors' families here at the church, as they've been trying to adopt these two little rascals from Uganda. Caught up with them this week. They sent a video, which I want you to hear now, from Luke and Holly in Uganda. Hey, this is Luke and Holly saying hello from Uganda, where we are working to adopt these two boys. Yes, hi, Mountain. Uh, this is our oldest son, Trey, and he's 17 months old, and this is our younger son, Jai, and he's seven months old. We've been here for seven weeks, and it's been a long haul. We're not done yet. We face a lot of challenges along the way, some of which are just challenges that come with any international travel. You're in a different place and it's hot and things are unfamiliar. And some of it is the challenge that comes with international adoption. There's a lot to work through, a lot of uh, processes and government officials to see and paperwork to do and just the, the timing is, is different here and so we're waiting. And it's been tough, it's been tough in other ways too. Yeah, it's been tough physically. Uh, we've all kind of dealt with illness. When we first got Trey, he had malaria so we had to take him for treatments. Um, for a few days and he's really sick. Um, we've all kind of had strep throat passed around and uh, our youngest daughter Maya actually was in the hospital too with um, IV treatment so um, it's definitely been challenging physically and emotionally as well just dealing with a lot of the unknowns like Luke said but um, the biggest thing right now is just being away from our three girls and not knowing uh, when um, we'll see them again so that's tough. I'd say it's spiritually challenging too. You know, we, we, we're going through this process because we feel like this is something God has uh, prompted us to do. We feel like we couldn't not do it as God has um, kind of pushed us in this direction. And yet, there's been times where you feel like, boy, God, are you there? We're, we're praying. Of course, you're praying for us. We feel that and, and appreciate that. At this, but there's times when you feel alone and you, and you wonder, boy, is it going to work? And um, there's. There's been some moments of wondering like that for sure, but we're doing all of it. We're going to the expense and spending the time and, and all of the effort to do it because, well, you know, Holly and I have been loved and cared for by so many people throughout our lives. Our families, uh, many of you are church family, and there are kids growing up in the world that don't have that. They don't have families. They don't have anyone to love them and care for them and teach them how to live. And so we're trying to provide that for these boys because that's what love does, right? Love is not something that you just think about or feel. It's, it takes action. It moves and it does something. And I'll tell you what else love does. Love can transform a kid because we've seen, especially with him, when we first got him, he was skeptical of us and afraid and just very flat-faced emotionally. And now he's laughing and playing, he's showing affection. Those were kisses, I think, that he was giving me on the cheek there, open-mouth kisses. And it's, he's been totally changed. And uh, we'll continue to change. We're going to continue to change. And all of that is what love does.
Wow. I'm exhausted watching that. Get them home and get a babysitter for crying out loud. Wow, why on earth would someone do that? Love does. Exactly right. And sometimes it's stunning, isn't it? Sometimes it's stunning in a way. Is there some big thing God's calling you to do? To love in a way that would maybe even shock yourself? Is it adoption? Is it, is it making amends with someone? Is it giving a big gift? Is it calling someone, I don't know, quit your job? If you haven't received Christ and His love and light and life into your life, that's, that's the most important thing to begin with. Maybe that could happen for you this Easter. Sometimes love is stunning. Sometimes love is sacrificial. Can I tell you about this a little bit? Because sometimes it just takes a different turn and it's sacrificial. Here we're reminding ourselves that love of the Jesus kind is never sort of self-focused, like what's in it for me, but always others-centered. It's not self-seeking. It's not possessive. It's not controlling. It considers others and their needs and is always willing to sacrifice. Sacrifice is seen so clearly in the life of Jesus himself. And the way he loved us. John 15 says, there's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. That's the epitome of sacrifice. John 13 says, so now I am giving you a new commandment. That's how we know love is not a feeling. He commands us to do it. And here it is. Love each other. In the same way that I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. Is there any sense that could be said of your life that you're laying down something in order to love someone better? Sacrifice, you know, is when you give up something you love for something or someone you love more. Is there any of that happening in your life or is it still kind of orbiting around you? You know, if you have a relationship, you're going to need to sacrifice if it's going to be a healthy, deep relationship. You'll sacrifice things like sleep sometimes. Or you sacrifice getting credit for things that you did. Or you sacrifice being right or winning. And Jesus says, remember now, sacrifice isn't just like a hard assignment that everyone has to do to get into the club. No, no, no. He says, sacrifice is what you do when you really want to find your life. You give your life away, and that's how you find it. Try to hold on to it, it'll slip through your fingers. So sacrifice is an invitation to the best life of all. Love in a way that requires some sacrifice, y'all. A friend was telling how a buddy of his was getting ready to have his first baby. And he was laughing because he was like, oh man, Alex can't stand to have anything on his hands. He's always washing his hands. He's going to do terrible with the baby. I bet he never changes a diaper. His wife's going to change all the diapers. I just know it. And I said, I don't think so. Two reasons. One, I knew his wife. Two, love does something to somebody. Love has that sacrifice component built into it. When you really love someone, it makes you do crazy things, doesn't it? Love can make a dad who doesn't want anything on his hands hold that baby and that baby can poop on him and pee on him and puke on him and he's still like wiping it up and like, I love you. Someone at work does that to him? They're having a conversation about that that goes very different. Am I right? But the baby can poop, poop and you know what I'm saying, and, and still, I love you. Why is that? Because that's what sacrifice does. You give up things for a greater love. Is there a place in your life where you sense that sacrifice would help you love better? 
deeper, stronger. Love is sometimes stunning and sometimes when love does, it's sacrificial. But I want to leave you with this, that love is also just sometimes simple, small, almost unnoticed, happens in the corner where no one sees. doesn't have to be a big deal. Not always stunning, not always heroic. When Peter was reinstated, he said, what do I got to do to show I love you? And Jesus just said, just feed my lambs. We're called to love God and love people with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and our neighbor as ourself. Wow, how do I do that? If I want to show God and give God my whole life and I just want to tell Him I'm all in and I want to do that, imagine God as a banker. Do I write a check for the whole account, $1 million, and slide it across and say, there, God, there you go. I imagine God sliding it right back to me and saying, thank you, but I only take it in nickel installments. Because if you want to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and your neighbor as yourself, it's just little things, it's simple things, daily installments. And at our place, it looks like emptying the dishwasher once in a while and taking out the trash and picking up the mail and filling the car with gas and turning out the light when everyone else is in bed. What does it look like at your place? What does it look like when you're just downtown and out and around and on I-95? One time when I was particularly feeling sort of frisky in middle school. I was walking through the kitchen on my way to the basement to some busy thing I sure I had to do. My mom was in there working and I just, as I walked by, I said, love you, mom. And I was practically halfway down the stairs. She says, what's that? I came back up and said, just said I love you. I started to head back down. She says, you mean it? Came back, I said, sure. She said, great, clear the table. (laughs) Love does. Love does. And sometimes it's, Simple acts of kindness and little things. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not rude. Love is not easily angered. Love doesn't keep score. So let that be true of you. Put your name in there with all of those words this week. Where the Bible says love, put your own. In our house, it would look like this. Ben is patient. Carla is kind this week. Andrew is not rude. And Ellie is not easily angered. And Nathan doesn't keep score or record of who's wronged him. Brothers and sisters, let us not love with words or deeds, but with actions and truth. So we're going to have some fun around here over the next few weeks as we kick off this series. Um, you have everything you need in you right now to leave a lot of love all over the place. And so uh, let that balloon, as it's stretched, just like you'll be stretched in some of these challenges we're going to have over the next few weeks, let it be a reminder to you. We're going to have a Love Does Challenge every week. You can start out this week just doing anything God's leading you to do that's sacrificial, stunning, or simple. Then next week we start with some special uh, Love Does challenges. We're going to mark them on Instagram with the hashtag LoveDoesMCC. You tell your story. Take the challenge, whether it's buying something for someone at Dunkin' Donuts or uh, paying it forward somewhere else or a small act of kindness or something quite bigger. We're going to give you a lot of options and we'll have one every week. Stay tuned. Tell your story. Let's stay in touch and let's create a buzz around the community among ourselves as we teach ourselves what it means to really love in the way that Jesus would have us love. Are you in? Will you do it? Will you try to love uncommonly in the next few weeks? I hope you will. I hope you will. Because 
Jesus is alive and he's got the same agenda he's always had to bring love into this old broken world and he wants to use you to do it. His only question is, what will you do? What will you do? Let's pray. Lord, help us out of our locked up places of fear so we can live and move in the light and life and love of Jesus. Help us to remember he's alive and empowering us and breathing his life into us. Help us put love into action. In the name of Jesus, amen.